We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, McCoy. Hey, McCoy. And thanks for joining us for another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Did you sleep well? Did you you no. tired today? I'm exhausted, but it was a, it's a good exhaustion. I slept well last night, but I told you guys this before the show, but two nights ago, I dreamt that Gerald died <laughs> in some like spy thriller that somehow we were involved in. So oh, no. it was weird. I woke up okay. in a total panic looking at my phone. I, Wait, it, but like, how did Gerald die? I don't know. We couldn't find that out. That was the oh, mystery. We literally had no idea had how no he how. died. He no. just had died? We just knew he had died oh, and we were trying to God. find out. Okay, so I didn't die in a thrilling way. The thriller was that I died and we had to solve how well, I died. We don't know. You could have died <laughs> in even, a thrilling way. That's even more depressing. I mean, you could have died in a thrilling way. I don't know. I didn't make it to the point where we figured out how you died. We so. couldn't figure it out. Gerald okay I have a question for the chat Mm -hmm. because we were talking about this before the show Mm -hmm. and then Gerald's dream death had us (laughs) pondering out of the five of us on this show on a normal basis me Saul Gerald Espo and Emma who would die first in any one of those movie type situations whether you're running from a bad guy like Mike Myers or the movies in Scream or zombies. Like, who do you guys think would be the first to die and why? And then also, let's just throw this out there. Who do you think would be the biggest survivor? Who would last the longest? I told you the chat was going to go this way. They probably think Mike Myers, the comedian, could kill me. Not just Mike Myers, the, the horror movie <laughs> oh, villain. No. Look, we've got Blue Gold, says Aspo. Eli says Aspo. Hello, says uh, Aspo or Lindsay would die for first. Hello, Chase you says are Aspo. completely wrong. I would not. He's okay. The hello's reasoning why you and I would die first is because we would give up automatically. I think you underestimate Espo and I's pettiness mm-hmm. to not be the first one to die. Like yeah. we'll die. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We're okay with that. But dying first. 
couldn't be us. And I mm. hate this is body shaming. I'm just gonna say it, right? <laughs> oh, they no. go, the fat guy's gonna die first. <laughs> but it's not true mm-hmm. because I would shove Gerald in front of whatever was coming after us yes, first. Probably. Yes. <laughs> or Emma. I feel like I could throw Emma towards whatever was coming. <laughs> oh, See, Rage, Rage understands me. Like, shout out to you, Rage. Rage said Lindsay would last because Chelsea would come out. That's exactly it. Like, I I have no loyalty. And I and I mean that. Like, I'm just being we honest. I know, Lindsay. Uh-huh. I'm just being honest. <laughs> right. Gerald. I would be in a bad spot and I'd be like, Gerald, don't leave me. Please come save me. Mm-hmm. And Gerald being the kind soul that he is would come save me. And I would be like, yank, trip him, break his leg, let him die first. And I would run away. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I would honest. probably be betrayed. I would, I'm too trusting of a person. Gerald I feel like I have, I feel like I have the attributes to run away from zombies or to outrun a killer but I do think that you all would throw me under the bus yeah, and that's absolutely. I would be the first one to go for that reason. Also, Will, my glasses are not necessary for me to be able to survive. I'm not blind without them. <laughs> it's just tough to read things. <laughs> I don't think I don't think being able to read is going to be a real big uh, requirement in what I'm running away mm. from uh, a killer or something. Sure. Hello said the reason why they said that is because you and I both di- we did we did say on this program that if there was a zombie apocalypse we would just give up and, and call that, it a day. That's fair. But we're we're talking about like a competition now. Yeah. Oh, if, if it's if a this, competition. This would become like well no it, it's more just like I guess kind of bragging rights a little bit you know what I mean? Like, if it was a situation where you had to fend for yourself. Yeah. If it's okay. instinctual survival and it's not hey the whole world screwed it's just Right, like, like in a moment, like yeah. one specific moment yes. of us trying to get out of like this office, right? Mm-hmm. I still think I would survive. Yeah. Anyway, I also <laughs> really enjoy Mark's thought process of Evie here about Saul being the first one to die because he would probably go up to Mike Myers and be like, F you, I'm going to fight you right now. That's true. I could totally see Saul going head first I, to take on the problem you know, to try and like eliminate right. it from the start yeah. and getting killed. I don't want our horror movie to be cliche. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is true. Like the, the one black guy. No, we're not oh, letting that happen in all. That is right? tough. That That's is the fair. cliche that in horror fair. movies. That is very tough. But at least in this movie, Saul goes out trying to be a hero. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there's yeah. a little bit of a difference. I think you all uh, all trust Saul too much to try to be the hero in this. <laughs> I believe Saul is very much like Lindsay and I. Yeah, and he'd true. also be like, how can I get Gerald in front of this killer before, <laughs> before he comes towards me? Absolutely. Uh. Um, well, thank you guys for indulging us for a little bit of weird conversations on this uh, spooky Thursday afternoon. We just we're trying to get in the Halloween spirit, sure. you know, like scary movie things. Just like that. reflecting on our bonds that we've established here at this company. Eli did say, Saul and Gerald, if you guys teamed up, that you would make it. So that's a nice compliment. Yeah, that's I nice. feel like we could get them both taken care of if we teamed up. I think up, so, though. too. Like, <laughs> I think Espo and I are way more diabolical <laughs> than you and Saul. <laughs> oh, I play I play like I'm the nice guy. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know who didn't really have maybe a little bit of a tough time surviving, but they survived? Who's that? The Phoenix Suns. Very nice. Phoenix Suns survived <laughs> last night against the Dallas Mavericks. They won their season opener, which was a lot of fun for all of us who got to watch it. And we talked a lot about the game last night in our post-game show, but obviously we're going to continue talking about it here today. But I think one of the things that we kind of, I don't think intentionally sort of glossed over last night, or maybe we just didn't dive enough into it, was just 
the amount of heart that this team showed throughout mm -hmm. this game, right? They were down 21 points. They quite literally could have just said, it's not our night. We're going to give up. We're just going to go through the motions and let this one play out. Count down the clock, basically. But they didn't. And then on top of that, when they did get the game super close and Christian Wood went off, they also could have been like, well, we tried. Mm -hmm. We tried. Right. No, they said, no, we're going to do this. We're absolutely, we're going all the way. We're going to win this game. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows a lot of heart from this team, especially after all the questioning around the vibes mm -hmm. and the, the connection between the guys on the court. Look, they saved enough heart up in the first half to have plenty for the second <laughs> half. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the reality Fair. in it. It was, it, it was a, a less than... Uh, inspiring first half, I'll say, <laughs> for them. But they came out in the second half. They made the adjustments like we had talked about last night, and they did. They they worked their asses off in that second half. And I think why they didn't give up when Christian Wood started going off was because he started hot-dogging and shrugging like he was Michael Jordan's security guard in the last dance. And, <laughs> you know, he pulled up from Steph range at one point and hit, and hit one, like – I think that kept them motivated that, okay, this guy's going to cool down and then we're going to punch him in the mouth for, for acting like that. I think it, it, the way a team comes back and takes the lead on you uh, can also keep you motivated. And I think that definitely was part of, of what happened last night because they closed the gap in the third. Christian Wood goes off at the beginning of the fourth. They're down 15 again. It would have been easy to just say, all right, been fun. See you on uh, Friday. Mm -hmm. But but they really did. They locked in there and they took care of business. Right. Especially because like this was almost re-traumatizing that first half. It felt like a continuation of game seven. It felt like the Mavs now owned the Suns. It felt like they were playing both the Mavs and their own kind of inner demons out there. And, you know, once they got back to business in the third quarter, once DA was out there, not having to worry about the foul trouble as much, the starters were able to lock down defensively. Um, and Monty had said after the game he was proud of the way that they didn't get in. He he acknowledged that, yeah, this was an emotional day. Like, obviously, the NBA knows what it's doing with its schedule making, yeah. um, especially having them play here where it last mm -hmm. happened. Like, it could have been very easy to look around at your surroundings and be like, well, we're right back to where we were. And instead, Book was in the huddle saying, we've been here before. We're going to make this different. Like, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep battling. Because he was saying that even in the fourth quarter, you know, some of the bench guys were kind of looking around, like not really making eye contact with each other. And, and he was persistent in saying, like, no, like, we're we're not going to do this again. Um, and the fact that they were able to do that with a couple of new guys in the rotation, too, who didn't really experience that game seven hurt, that sting, that humiliation. Uh, it, it does speak to kind of their collective mindset and the leader's on this team. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I was very impressed because at halftime I was like, this is going to be a long season. If this is the way that they start this shit off, it's only one game, obviously either way, but like you cannot come back from that game seven and repeat yeah. it and expect for the narratives, the buzz, the people praying for your demise to fall off. So the way that they responded was huge and kind of officially flushing that game seven i mean just look at sun's twitter in the first half i mm -hmm. mean you could tell that there was a lot of uh a lot of scars a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of feels that were coming back up but i i actually love the fact that 
book was being that vocal leader mm -hmm. saying no keep locked in uh because in the past that hasn't necessarily been the role i mean he he's he's grown into that and being that guy and being the uh, the voice there. So that's, that's a big step too. I love hearing that that was going on. Right. And, and we should, we should bring up what Monty had to say because he kind of hit the nail right on the head uh, to beat the team that knocked you out. It doesn't erase that feeling and that hurt from game seven, but it does help you grow the next season. And that was kind of the biggest thing for me. Like I, I said it last night, you're not going to exercise those playoff demons in the first game of a regular season, but that's about as close as you could possibly mm -hmm. get because they put themselves exactly in the same situation and they completely changed the way that it ended. So, And like you said, when the NBA put out the schedule, knowing full well what happened in mm -hmm. Game 7 between the Suns and the Mavs, having this be the season opener for the Suns, you knew that behind that thought process wasn't just building up anticipation for the game and the start of the season, but mm -hmm. also what potential media narratives could have come from it. Oh, yeah. Because had the Mavs beaten the Suns last night, it would have propelled every media member to talk about Luka Doncic, which oh, is yeah. good for business. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, for us, it helps us also with our agenda mm -hmm. of getting people to talk more highly about the Suns and Devin Booker and DeAndre. And it helps us shift the narrative of the bad vibes mm -hmm. that everyone wants to believe the Suns have. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not Why trying. I, 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 I hate happened? doing that to you because I hate when people start laughing at the comments when I'm trying to say <laughs> something, too. But like, hello, said the shoes in front make it look like girth has short legs oh when I was God. sitting like this. So for the for the <laughs> so audio gonna, only listeners, there's gonna... two shoes sitting on the table <laughs> and Gerald's the only one that has his legs <laughs> on the floor and the shoes were going right to <laughs> just below his knees. So it looked like he had super short legs. I think legs. Emma did that shit intentionally. She's been she's been on my case today. <laughs> uh, but you're you're totally right on the on the storylines and everything mm -hmm. that we would have had to deal with. But I'm gonna grab the the roll of tinfoil here, right? okay, and, and and forge the hat right now. Mm -hmm. Was there a chance that Monty played a similar defense in the first half to last uh, to the playoffs, knowing that? he could adjust to what he thought would work even better in the second half to give them less time to react to it. I think that's some conspiracy. That's, that's you some should, 4D. I should, mean, that's some 4D chess that I'm not talking about. But. Yeah. That, you, we should post that on YouTube with the conspiracy theory in the headline somewhere. <laughs> oh, no. Go down um, the hole. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I honestly do think that the Suns were very like shots weren't falling early. I think that let, that affect their confidence the Mavs were kind of getting whatever they wanted and I think they adjusted to the way that Luca was spreading them out because Monty said they weren't really blitzing him but he was still managing to spread them out because they got caught ball looking ball watching or whatever um, and I think that's part of the adjustment too with Cam in the starting lineup there was a couple of plays where he was uh, a little late on his rotations or whatever so you're you're gonna feel the absence of Jay Crowder but I do think they had had enough at halftime and and they definitely put their focus Onto the defensive end, they there were twelve turnovers, Mav turnovers on the night. Six of them came in that third quarter. They were a lot more aggressive, kind of flying around everywhere. We we talked about this a little on the post game, and this isn't conspiracy theory world. This is actually something that I that I legit wonder is three point attempts. There yeah. was a lot. Mm -hmm. Booker only took one. I went back and looked, and Monty's first year they were twenty second in attempts. Third or second year, nineteenth. 
last year 28th in attempts. At what point is this a is it a system thing with threes? Is it roster construction? I know it's in all likelihood a combination of the two, but there's guys that can shoot the three on this team, and they just don't take many of them. No, and it's it's alarming because you look at the attempts. It was thirty five to twenty two. The Suns only made eight three pointers. Like that's just not going to get it done come playoff time. You need to find a way to up those attempts. And we talked about it all over the summer how. This team's mid-range prowess is really impressive, and part of it, you know, stems back to the fact that Book, Da, and Chris are all elite from that area of the floor. But like, you've got to find a way to start generating more threes. You just have to. They have a very good three-point shooting team. They were top ten in efficiency in that category last year. You've got to find a way to start generating those. You would think that mid-range prowess would make it easier to do a step fake and get the guy leaning back to step back out to shoot the three too uh, in some cases, just because you have to be, you have to stay so honest with this team. You can't just, uh, you know, play up and get burned and, and get that mid range hit on you. So I don't know. That has to change. They can't, they can't have an, more performances like. Last okay. Night. So when we talked about this last night and there's two conflicting comments in the chat as well, Saul was under the impression or just Saul has more of the opinion that, um, in order to fix that issue, we need to get more shooters on this team. Mm -hmm. So we had, uh, where did it go? Oh, Eric said, I think it's a it's the system. Players just need the green light to shoot more threes. But then Blue Gold said, tell James Jones to get us three-point shooters. <laughs> right. Where do you fall as far as how you feel about this? Um, I think it's a little of both. I think Landry Shamit having an off-shooting gear last year really didn't help in that respect because he's a guy that's been around 40% for his career. That's what he does, and he kind of dipped to like 35, 36. That doesn't help. Um, but I, I think it's mostly a system thing just by looking at the number of attempts, looking at the, you know, your three top options on offense are all really efficient from the mid-range and Book and DA can create that shot for themselves at pretty much any time. And DA flashing there can get that shot pretty easily as well. So you've got to find a way to engineer more threes. I do think, that, you know, you look at Josh Okoge, look at Tory Craig. Those are not three-point shooters, so that's not helpful. Um, but they're not a prominent part of the rotation. So you just need to find a way to generate more looks for Cam, for McHale, and give the Mavs credit because they closed out really hard on three-pointers. They were crowding everything Chris did and were then flying back out, recovering to three-point shooters. I think they blocked one or two threes uh, last night. So their defense did a good job in the first half, but I think it's more of a system thing than a personnel thing. Yeah, that was that's where I lean too when you look at the numbers. But uh, hopefully that's one of these adjustments that Monty, uh, Monty decides to make this year. I think they have guys... <laughs> Uh, on this team that can make them. I mean, Cam, Book, mm -hmm. uh, Landry, even at 36% is a guy you still want to to try to take him. And, and when the attempts are low, that just screams to me, yeah, system. So hopefully that changes. Sean came up with the game plan. Mm -hmm. And I think this one's really smart. Okay. They said we should just trade for stuff for more shooting. I think that's fair. I feel like he's that's a fan. the easiest I, uh, option, right? We Maybe. saw he's a fan last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So James Jones, go get him. Damian Lee is five D chess. We're bringing for? his brother-in-law. We're bringing his brother-in-law to the valley. <laughs> By the way, uh, fun fact: uh, Damian Lee is now the highest scoring uh, 
Curry family member ever in Suns history. Yeah. Uh, Seth Curry had zero points in the two games he played here. So and that's rough because he went on to be a pretty decent yeah. player. So there you go, Suns. I do want to remind you guys that next Wednesday, all of our PHNX live shows are going to be happening out at Four Peaks in Temper- Tempe on their Eighth Street Pub <laughs> for our monthly last Wednesday. So come hang out with us, whether it's your lunch break or if you can take the whole day off because they've got great food and you can enjoy $3 Kilt Lifter and Wow Wheat Pints when you mention that you are there with us. So if you guys have time next Wednesday, we'd love to see you out at Four Peaks in Tempe. So plan to come hang out with us. Uh, You do have to be 21 years or older to enjoy Four Peaks beer and we ask that you enjoy responsibly, but everyone is welcome at the Four Peaks Brewery uh, during the time frame that we will be out there again. That is next Wednesday. Well, they're welcome to be down there at any time frame they like. They could just see us if they're they're (laughs) down there. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Also, if you have not heard, which I don't know how you haven't, you must be living under a rock or something, but our friends are over, over at OG's changed the game when they launched their brand new Sleep Edition Gummy And I promise you won't want to sleep on these. OG's is now flavoring dreams with a two-to-one THC CBN ratio gummy. And CBN is, of course, the compound that helps specifically with falling and staying asleep. And it's in their tasty new aqua berry flavor. So we highly recommend you guys check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com. You can find them on Instagram at ogsbrands. And, of course, you can find their products at your local dispensary. But, again, you must be 21 years or older to purchase. So we have a special Borgay breakdown for you today. Gerald is going to walk us through a few pick and roll actions with Devin Booker and DeAndre and from last night's game. So Gerald, take it away. Yeah. So this was the biggest thing that stood out to me, especially down the stretch with Booker kind of running the point, even though they had campaign and Damian Lee out there, he kind of took charge of the ball handling duties and his connection with DA was kind of the difference in that second half. So we'll pull up the first screen here because we've got to do these by screenshots. You can already see Book kind of curling around the first DA pick on the right side of the floor with Tim Hardaway Jr. following him and Maxi Kleba kind of sagging off. You've got campaign in the corner. You've got McHale threatening to set a pick there. And then Damian Lee is his outlet on the perimeter. So we'll pull up the second slide now. And at this point, he's got... Uh, Hardaway on his hip he's kind of using DA as well as as a kind of a helper after the screen he's kind of drawing he does he's already got his hand (laughs) extended book is really good about keeping people in jail on his backside when he gets past the screen Um, you can already see Mikhail kind of moving in to set up that back screen for campaign Uh, and if we'll go to the next one then it looks like he's already kind of crossing back over to the right side book with the ball there. DA is now on Booker's left side and Booker has engaged Kleba, who's kind of sagging off into the paint. He's trying to get him to bite in there and open up some real estate. Mikhail setting that back screen on Luca in the corner there. We'll go to the next one. Booker kind of moves back to his right again, and DA is already setting up to rescreen Tim Hardaway to Tim Hardaway Jr.'s left. Kleba has to continue to hold ground there because as we all know book can hit that mid-range shot then we'll go to the next slide book puts it between his legs da is screening damian lee is open for the three campaign is kind of drifting up in case that passes there but with tim hardaway jr kind of frantically trying to close out that gap and shoot the screen before da makes contact 
Book is going to read that. We'll go to the next slide. And he crosses back over. He's got both guys engaged on him, but they're flat-footed and they're leaning the wrong way. DA is there making contact on the left side, but Book sees there's a ton of real estate to his right. So we'll go to the next one. He crosses over. He's driving. He's attacking Kleba. Tim Hardaway Jr. is totally late now. He's out of the play. And then we'll go to the next slide. Book finds DA wide open in the paint. There's no help there because of the action on the far side with McHale kind of screening and distracting those two screeners because now they have to worry about campaign in the corner. So Book hits him with the pass. We'll go to the next one. And DA has to kind of catch it. It's a little, there's a little oomph on that pass, but he catches it with his left hand and Tim Hardaway Jr. can't get to it. The help side, Spencer Dinwiddie can't come over and, and kind of steal it because McHale is right behind him. We'll go to the next one there. DA catches it a little bit under the basket, and Tim Hardaway is on his hip still. But we know that DA, when he catches the ball like that, he's going to go over his left shoulder with the hook shot so we can go to the next one. And he's gearing up there. Luca's trying to help out. He's trying to come over. Uh, we'll go to the next one here. DA rises up over. Luca does a pretty good job contesting, but this is the last part of the slide, and this is the biggest thing that you've got to take away from this if we go to the last one here uh, uh sorry next one emma the moral uh, of the story is that luca is a hoe you guys <laughs> <laughs> he's not oh, gonna get deandre Ayton on that oh my all right so <laughs> He set us off. I couldn't I was all help it. here, like listening, very intently. <laughs> like I'm, I'm in class again. I'm learning things. Dang. I, I do want to do say, I do want to say one thing. <laughs> What's that? So first of all, I'm being asked to kick this guy from Mavs out okay. of the chat. Mm. But guys, he's making us that money. Oh, is he? <laughs> he's making us that money. So keep viewing, yeah. keep pushing the okay. comments. I will gladly take that money. And, Perfect. And his, and his name says he's the oh loser. So God. at least it's accurate. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't resist the, that, that one. Was, but. That was <laughs> a hell of a setup. I gotta go back. How the hell of a setup? Oh, that man. was fantastic. I'm okay. so proud of you. I'm glad. I had to do something to lighten it because I know it's a ton of screenshots that we're going through here. We can't play videos for the live show, obviously. But oh my god. Uh, <laughs> We'll go ahead and run through the second play now. Uh, on this one, Book's over near half court. He's on the right side of the floor. DA is setting up to screen. I think that's Reggie Bullock on the left, and he's got Christian Wood kind of sagging behind him. We'll go to the next one. Uh, here we've got Devin Booker kind of rearing up. DA is getting closer to making contact, and, and Book can already see that Christian Wood is kind of taking a step outside the three-point line. He sees Chris Paul in his vision in the corner there. Mikael Bridges is kind of to his left as an outlet if he gets trapped. And then Cam Johnson is in the far left side corner. Uh, so we'll go to the next one. DA makes contact with Bullock there, and Book is having a hard time getting around that screen because Bullock is kind of hounding him. Uh, and Christian Wood is all the way outside the three-point line at this point. We'll go to the next one. Now, DA makes good contact, but he can already tell that Christian Wood is coming out to trap because of the way that Bullock is playing on Book's hip, because of the way he stepped out so far. So DA is starting to slip this screen, and McHale comes over a little bit so that he has a potential other outlet pass if need be. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Now, this is a full-on trap. Like This is what Devin Booker sees all the time. Two bodies in front of him, one on either side, cutting off any kind of dribbling lane. And it's a tough spot because he is on the sideline, so he's kind of got like a third defender on the other side of him. But DA is kind of moving into that open window there. And the help side from Tim Hardaway and Luka Doncic has to stay put 
because they've got Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson who are capable three-point shooters. So we'll go to the next one. Book does something that we don't see him do enough, but in these trapping situations, if he learns to do this, it's going to be huge. So he takes a step back with the dribble and kind of draws the two defenders closer towards him. DA is fully open now, and Tim Hardaway is going to have to choose between am I going to try to shoot the gap with DA, maybe miss the ball, or am I going to stay on Mikhail Bridges, who is wide open for three? We'll go to the next one. Devin Booker sees DA wide open because Tim Hardaway is still caught between a hard a, a rock and a hard place. And then we'll go to the next one. Book throws the bounce pass right between the window there. And now DA is going to catch this ball. We'll go to the next one. And he's going to turn. He's got Luka in front of him, who was Cam Johnson's man. He's shaded all the way over now to stop the ball because obviously DA catching the ball at the free throw line is going to be really tough. Tim Hardaway is now having to guard Mikhail and Cam Johnson, and he doesn't really do a great job because this is somewhere where DeAndre Ayton has improved immensely, at least from what we've seen in preseason and from last night. He turns and faces, if we want to go to the next one, and he sees that Tim Hardaway is kind of sagging down, but he's still in no man's land there. Cam Johnson recognizes all the real estate in front of him, and he starts his cut. We'll go to the next one. DA feeds him the rock. There's still wide open spaces because you know Luca's not going to contest. Tim Hardaway Jr. is frantically trying to get back to that baseline. We'll go to the next one. Cam Johnson rises up. And the final one, Cam Johnson throws down the dunk past the help defender who couldn't get there in time. This is simple stuff, but if Devin Booker can attack those angles the way that he does, get the ball out of his hands quickly, DA catches the ball and then capitalizes on those three on two and four on three situations, like they're not going to be able to trap Devin Booker. Well, and you saw, you could see in the screenshot too, Cam communicates. He makes it when, when mm-hmm. DA looks at him, he makes it clear to point at at the guy that's run off of him, and that's when he makes the cut. Mm -hmm. It was just great all around there from the entire team, and it was a nice pass from D.A. When he saw it in real time, when it was bang, bang, it looked looked beautiful the way that they they pulled that off. And it also, these two plays, shows the importance of when D.A. only gets to play, what, seven minutes in the first half? Right. He has three fouls. Mm -hmm. How that changed things so dramatically and how his second half, where he only had one foul and he was out there for the full time was so important to the comeback. Which we've seen a lot of people bring up that question. Would the first half have looked different last night had DA not been on the bench? I believe we uh, have one more slide that might answer that question. Oh, no. All right, let's dive into the numbers. (laughs) So we talked about Book and DA in the pick and roll, but let's talk about some numbers behind the two of them on the court. So our friend David, he's on Twitter at the four point play. He he tweeted today, do yourself a favor and make sure you're sitting down when you look up DeAndre Inn and Devin Booker's two man lineup stats last night. So he shared those stats. So let's dive into them. So in the 27 minutes that Book and DA shared the floor, the Suns had 69 points, shot nice. 55% from the field, 55% from deep, a plus they were a plus 25, uh 132.7 offensive rating, 86.3 defensive rating and were plus 46.4 net rating. So Gerald, our resident nerd, break this down for us. I'm banning Emma from my Instagram forever. She went <laughs> that way was quail back. Man, she by went the way. back years to a quail man <laughs> Halloween costume and I 
props. Emma. Oh, that it's, was actually she didn't Photoshop <laughs> no, her face. No, on no. that was my Even actual better. quail man costume. Yeah. Gerald, you oh can block God. me all you want, buddy. But <laughs> as I was an intern, mm-hmm. I went through your entire Instagram and yours, Lindsay, and uh-huh. yours, Espo, and Saul's, and I have screenshots of every single post <laughs> oh in a hard drive. I'm not God. embarrassed by anything that's on my Instagram, oh, so that's okay. We'll see about that. Wow. I have no shame, so I'm not embarrassed by anything. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. Oh man, I just got to lean into it. That's what I got to do here. But <laughs> so was, explain these numbers. Yeah, like, so a nerd alert again. I right. Know. So the numbers are these are two man lineup numbers. So basically, this is what the Suns posted while Da and Book were sharing the floor. Obviously, only got twenty seven minutes because of the foul trouble for Da, but they were plus twenty five, which means they outscored the Mavs by twenty five points in those minutes. Uh, the offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, those are all on a per 100 possess- possessions basis. And it's a way to kind of more accurately measure how good an offense is, how good a defense is, because every game has a different number of possessions. So you're trying to set it to a, a common standard there. So that's points per 100 possessions. Right. So they were scoring 132 points per 100 possessions, and they were holding the Mavericks to just 86 points per 100 possessions. So that's less than a point per possession. That's really good defensively. It's really good offensively. Um, Like, I think leading the league in offensive rating, you have to be around probably like 115 to 118. So they were at 132. So they were really good. And the net rating... They outscored the Mavs by what was it, forty six points per one hundred possessions? Like mm-hmm. that's forty six point four. That's astronomical. That's insane. Obviously, these are one game sample sizes we're talking about, but I can't. I can't. The chat's wild Hello. today, man. Emma did all their stocking during homeroom. <laughs> oh. Emma almost spit all over our brand new equipment in the studio. This you is got like her. this Hello. is the she literally took this, right, right, yeah, this right is the tortilla challenge that. all over again. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you look uh, it's one game all right mm, so right small sample size theater obviously sure but do you feel like this could be the precursor to them becoming the the dynamic duo that everybody kind of hoped they could be in this i think so i mean i i really do think you have to be encouraged by the chemistry that book and da had in the pick and roll because normally we see chris paul and da operating in pick and rolls and and chris paul had a really rough night offensively. He had nine assists, but didn't contribute much in the scoring column. Didn't really play on the ball too much, actually. Um, but the way that Book and DA were on the same page about a lot of these reads is really encouraging. And it tells you that the two of them, and Monty Williams in particular, took a lot of those lessons about the way that the Mavs were trapping in that series to heart. And they employed it, especially in the second half against this team. Well, it felt like, too, that that two-man game between them opened things up for Damian Lee and Campaign, who yeah. did not get... Campaign took a lot of crap last night, as he has uh, since last season. Mm-hmm. But in that fourth quarter, he came up big in, in his hustle, his energy, uh, even had a couple buckets like in, in the comeback. I give I give a lot of credit to that two man game though they the Mavs had to focus so much on that that it gave these guys opportunity as well. It definitely did on that three that Damian Lee hit in the final minute minute and a half where Book got double teams and he put them up by four I think it was that was because of all the attention that was on Book he was facing another double team he kicked it to Lee who was wide open and he hit the shot. Um, same thing on the last play you know he was looking at too much help so he gave it to his guy and he trusted him and I think. Book trusting his guys. We've talked about his evolution, but we should also mention that that applies, that philosophy applies to Monty as well. And it's 
one of his best attributes and one of his biggest pitfalls come playoff time is that he has faith in his guys. And in some cases, that is really empowering, like what we saw with Damian Lee, like what we've seen with campaign in in fits and spasms. But, you know, sometimes it can burn them a little bit. So I, I, I mean, Damian Lee and campaign both after the game pointed out Monty's faith in them and how much it meant to them. Um, you know, campaign, it was good to see him hit that three and then get force that turnover in that back to back stretch and kind of feed off the crowd in a way that he didn't really do all that much last season. Well, let's make it very clear. He was still crappy in three quarters <laughs> right. of that game. So, Charles, I stand by what slander I spoke last night, but I went back and rewatched the game this afternoon and wanted to give him credit for his fourth quarter. Yeah, I do kind of think with campaign, we kind of have to lower expectations, too. I think we're unfairly judging him to other point guards who are not on the same level. Right. Um, So I I do think that might be something we collectively need to take a step back and realize. Yeah. And that's the thing is like with campaign last year, a lot of it was missing open threes. Like it was missing shots that he made the year before. And those are shots that he'll have to hit this year to keep defenses honest. We've talked about how he has stretch bigs now, whether it's Jock Landale or Dario Saric, he has guys that'll open up driving lanes for him, which should hopefully help his efficiency at the rim, which wasn't great to begin with. But he has the tools. He just really missed a lot of makeable shots last year, and hopefully they start falling again this year. Well, if you guys want to see the Suns in action, highly recommend you buy your tickets through the game time Uh, website. The next home game is Tuesday where the Suns are going to take on the Warriors. But here's the thing. When you use game time, you want to be a procrastinator. You want to buy last minute because you can save up to 60% on tickets when you buy them last minute using game time. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this show. So wherever you are listening, you can find that link in the description and save up to 60% on tickets to concerts and uh, sports and all kinds of things. But again, it's really good when you procrastinate. Saul likes to tell us that mm-hmm. if you buy the tickets the day of or the evening oh, yeah. before the game, you can get really spectacular deals. Yeah. I mean, I know it probably makes someone like Gerald super nervous to wait till the last <laughs> second does. to do anything, mm-hmm. but this is well worth it. By the way, Peyton in the chat said, uh, saw me at the Ainsworth last night, but said it was nice to meet me. Apparently he forgot like the five years we worked together <laughs> as well. So good to see you again, Peyton. No, Peyton's just trolling. I know he is, but I had to give him crap as well. Of course. Well. Also, if you have not downloaded the Jockey and Sportsbook app, you should definitely do that. And make sure you use the promo code PHNX when you sign up because when you use that promo code, what you can do is you can make a $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets instantly if your team wins. Again, that is promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can also boost your winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And now that the NBA is back, if you are already an active user of the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you're going to want to make sure you check your notifications and check your emails because I think I literally just got one. From DraftKings, it was another odds boost for something. I don't know exactly what it is, but they're sending out odds boosts left and right. I got one yesterday. I got one um, Tuesday when the NBA officially tipped off the season. So I'm just saying you're missing out on a lot of money if you're not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app or if you aren't checking it regularly. So 
It's very simple. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PHNX. Again, that's promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just a reminder, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, also, Jay wants to know, what if they want tickets to November 4th's game? There's a way you can get those, too. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. right. You can go to our site and come join us for the takeover at the Ainsworth, November 4th, 5 p.m., 75 bucks is going to get you a ticket to the game so we can boo the crap out of Dame Lillard uh, and those stiffs that he's dragging around the court. Uh, you're going to get two free beers, a buffet, giveaways and more you're gonna get to hang out with us uh at the ainsworth and at the game at least saul and i'll be there i don't know gerald will be working i don't know if Lindsay's gonna come or not come. Is that all a right home, is that come a, too. oh yeah that's a home game huh <laughs> yeah a, well no we we're will. not we're not gonna go to the we're gonna go to the ainsworth then we're gonna walk to portland it's Sorry. a four-day I always, trip i forgot it was a takeover and not a watch party i always get those confused we'll make <laughs> listen we will make it happen Gerald will come visit us. Oh, he will. Yes. Gerald will. will come visit. Okay. He might not hang out with us the whole game, but he will come <laughs> visit. There's no way in hell Gerald's coming. No, there will make it. The look that he just no, gave you. We'll make it happen. He's he's mad at me for saying this. But I, he knows I know. He'll he actually it. sneak one of you into the locker room after That's, the game. Oh, okay. no. That oh, might be no. a little too much. That might be a little too much. Okay, we're going to round out today's show. Uh, really quickly, because we want to share this clip from Devin last night. He loves this city and he loves the fan base and he had some very nice things to say about all of us. Past three years it's been rocking, man. Every every game. They don't they don't bullshit around here. <laughs> they don't bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so book Devin gets it. Yeah, book was asked about whether you know he's he was asked you know i know it's a regular season game but did it feel like there was a playoff atmosphere in here he just goes how many games have you been to here a few and then he pointed <laughs> out you know the way that these these fans have embraced this team over the last few years and honestly it's a great way to end our show today because we know that like suns fans have been put through the ringer over the last few months it has been hard to be a suns fan all summer long because every story one after another has been negative, but watching this, this team come back, watching them kind of exercise those demons against this Mavs team on this court was probably the best way to start the season. Make it very clear. The diehards here in Phoenix, we ain't no bullshit. It's mm -hmm. that simple. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad book said it. I'm glad book recognizes it. I mean, he went through the dark days, too, so he appreciates how loud, how proud you are, and uh, that was a hell of a lot of fun in that second half. Mm -hmm. It was. It absolutely was. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you guys for joining us for today's show. Tomorrow, we will have a pregame show 30 minutes before tip-off, um, and then a postgame show once the game wraps up, so make sure to plan for that, and we will see you then. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And, of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. I don't have anything fun to say because I got to get to the doctor. Ahoy, hoy. Hey, yo, my lifestyle is retro. Tell the Phoenix Metro. Megas in control and he ain't never going to let go. PHNX, though. Lindsay, Gerald, Espo. Saw past the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me, y'all.